Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host, Chris Caraggio. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Healthcare Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Caraggio, and our guest, we are very pleased to have our guest, Dr. Michael Shabbat, here. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being here. Uh, we're going to talk today. I'm going to do your bio here in a second, but just let me tell the folks what we're going to talk about with you here for the next few minutes. Um, Dr. Shabbat is here to talk about high reliability health care. Uh, he's an expert on that subject. He's going to talk about his mission to achieve a level of high reliability safety in healthcare on par with commercial aviation, nuclear power, and aircraft carriers. So very interesting. Uh, but before we get to that, though, let me give you folks a little bit of information on Dr. Shabbat. He is an executive vice president and system chief clinical officer for the Memorial Hermann Health System in Houston, which includes 19 hospitals, 20 ambulatory surgical centers, six convenient care centers, and 250 other ambulatory sites. Memorial Hermann has private, employed, and academic medical groups totaling 6,500 physicians and an accountable care organization. Now, under Dr. Shabbat's leadership in 2013, Memorial Hermann received the John M. Eisenberg Award for Patient Safety and Quality at the national level, presented by the Joint Commission and National Quality Forum. Prior to his current role, Dr. Shabbat practiced as a general trauma surgeon and surgical intensivist. So, very, very impressive resume, Dr. Shabbat. All right. So, thank you so much for being here on the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's talk about this. I mentioned it right at the outset. But let's talk about why you make that comparison to commercial aviation, nuclear power, and aircraft carriers as benchmarks for that high reliability uh, safety. Well, I think they're appropriate benchmarks, and there are others, because we travel by air. We've got thousands of, thousands of physicians travel to this meeting by air. None of them expected to be hurt during that process. A lot of power around the world is generated by uh, nuclear energy sources, and we expect those to be safe. You might not be aware our nuclear submarine fleet had amassed 3,200 years of service by the end of 2012. Without how many, a single 3,200 wow. years of service, without a single nuclear power plant accident. And the same is true for our nuclear carriers. I don't know their hours. So we count on those to be uh, harm free. Mm -hmm. In fact, in the year 2017, there were zero fatalities for all scheduled jetliner travel in the world not just the United States. All airlines, all countries are remarkable. Healthcare is not that way. Healthcare is risky. We believe we can make it as safe as nuclear power and as safe as our commercial airlines and nuclear carriers uh, by eliminating harm. So it requires setting a new goal. The goal is zero harm. And that's radical. And that's where we're going. All right, so appropriate benchmarks. You know, appropriate that's why you lay them benchmarks. out. Yes, very, very good. Okay, as a faculty member for um, ACHE, you teach on safety and quality. Okay, um, tell us a little bit, tell our audience a little bit about your curriculum's learning objectives and how we would like to see members use that education going forward. Well, it's important. Uh, number one objective is to 
accept and realize that the goal is zero harm. That's not been a goal in healthcare before. Number two is to realize that this only starts with the healthcare executive, the leadership, the CEO, and the board. High reliability is not a grassroots initiative. It actually can't work that way. It's got to come from the very top of the organization. In healthcare, those are the members of ACHE. That's why we're here. We're reaching the individuals who can actually make a difference. So when they take the lead, when our CEOs take the lead with their board and educate the board, and the board realizes that zero harm is an actual attainable goal and sets those goals for the organization, for mine, our, our goal is zero harm. It's an actual incentive goal that covers all 26,000 employees, zero harm. We don't always attain that goal, but we are more and more and more. And that's actually remarkable. Yeah, it's actually something that you should strive for, that, that number, that zero number, right? We think it's the same number that you should strive for when you get on a plane and you want to go from Houston to Chicago. Yeah. We think it's going to be zero. Mm -hmm. It should be that same way for all healthcare activity, inpatient, ambulatory, in the home, all. Very well put. Okay, what is your involvement in ACHE's Leading for Safety Initiative? And what do you hope to see change? Well, we hope to see uh, the change that there's a realization that zero is an attainable goal, that it's a worthy goal, that it's one that uh, would help reduce the cost of health care, not increase the cost, but decrease the cost of harm, which is very, very expensive. Our, our goal is to uh, help educate our leaders, our CEOs, our other executives, our CFOs, COOs, CNOs, our chief medical officers, all those involved in health care that these are worthy goals and that they can be implemented in your organization. And many organizations are implementing. We're heartened by the progress. Good, good, good. Now, um, physician leadership is something that's very near and dear to your heart. You made the change. You, you went the change from a surgical suite to an administrative suite, correct? Correct. Now, was that tough for you? Did you have a mentor? How did that process work? Well, uh, thank you for asking. Uh, I, I trained as a clinician, as a trauma surgeon and a surgical intensivist. And a lot of my work, uh, you know, day and night on call was just doing just that at level one trauma centers at hospitals in Los Angeles. And um, what tended to make a difference was that I was head of, of some units and we began to strive for quality and eliminating all harm in those units. And then I went up the medical staff uh, leadership ladder and became chief of staff at a thousand bed hospital uh, in Los Angeles. And in so doing, I began to work very closely with executive management. In fact, I had an office in between the chief medical officer and the chief uh, uh, operating officer of the hospital. And I worked with them. I, I had office time. I was there every day. So. Um, I had some very good um, mentors um, in that organization. This is Cedar sinai Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And if uh, I had to pick a single individual who was a, a, a role model for me, it would really be the CEO, Thomas Prizelak, Tom Prizelak. Uh, Tom is the longtime CEO, uh, certainly over 20 years. And uh, I got to work with him very closely on the President's Council on board meetings. I was a member of the board of Cedar sinai 
uh, and um, and uh, I, I think I, I learned quite a bit. And before I left to take my current positions, uh, I went and met him, and I said, Tom, I just want you to know how much I've learned from you while I was serving uh, in, in, in executive management at, at, at Cedars. And so I really do feel that way. I've had many great mentors. There are wonderful mentors throughout ACHE, and I've been lucky enough to work with several of them. But he helped the transformation from my clinical work into my uh, C-suite work. And, and how was that a smooth transition? I mean, with, with his help, but just on, on your behalf as well, how, how did you personally deal with that? Well, it was an unexpected transition. Let's put it that way. Okay. I had been tapped about 10 years pri- uh, previously at Cedars to also serve as the chief medical information officer in addition to my surgery duties. And uh, so I did that, and that was another entree into parts of executive management. And I became, became very uh, involved in quality and safety and harm reduction. And um, I presented uh, year after year at, at all safety meetings around the country. And um, <clears throat> apparently at one of the Institute for Healthcare Improvement meetings, someone from Memorial Hermann saw me. Uh, they didn't introduce themselves, so I didn't know anybody from Memorial Hermann. But um, a headhunter came hunting for me for a chief quality officer position for the system, for the Memorial Hermann system in Houston. And um, the attractiveness of that position, I wasn't looking to move, but rather than doing quality and safety as a part-time job at nights and weekends that was sort of my interest in publications and in presentations, the opportunity at Memorial Hermann was to do that as a full-time job. And I thought, well, that wouldn't that be interesting? So uh, that was really the origin of the transition, moving to full-time safety and quality. That was a good move. Is it, and I'm sure, uh, I know the answer to this question, but I'd like to hear you uh, expand on it a little bit. How rewarding is this current work as opposed to when you're doing trauma at Cedars-Sinai all those years? Well, you know, that is an absolutely great question. Because in doing trauma and critical care surgery, you save patients with your bare hands, with your gloved hands, really. <laughs> but you, and to that, be specific. Yeah, yes. yeah. And that is incredibly rewarding because I've developed lifelong associations with families and patients from that. It's just irreplaceable. It is, however, one by one by one. What is uh, rewarding about my current jobs at Memorial Hermann in that in reducing harm across the system, we're saving hundreds or thousands of lives, more than I could have ever personally done. When we eliminate hospital-acquired infections for years at a time at hospitals, when we eliminate, I just gave out a Z, what we call a certified zero award, few days ago to a hospital, one of our hospitals, who'd gone eight years without a retained foreign body anywhere in the hospital, not just the operating rooms. Our, our hospitals are avoiding harm for years at a time. This is helping and saving more patients than I ever could have done in the operating room or in the emergency room. So it's rewarding in its own way. I do sometimes miss those personal, you know, patient and family relationships, but I feel very uh, heartened and and solid about the change that I make. Great. Yeah, you've been very successful in both worlds. So 
you are to be commended. No question about that. Finally, do you have, and you're the perfect person to ask this about advice for for um, or, or tips to how uh, to positively impact safety and quality in the healthcare space. You know, if you can, I know this entire podcast is about that, but if you can just kind of crystallize it and summarize it here. Well, um, again, another good question. And, and many in the field don't really understand what it takes to actually create a harm-free environment. You might think it involves hiring new nurses, finding new doctors, uh, getting new pharmacists, um, and, but when you think about it, that isn't the way the airlines became high reliability. That isn't the way any HRO, high reliability organization, became highly reliable. They became highly reliable by changing the processes by which they work. And you might think, well, you've got to take care of patients and you've got to get them out of bed and you've got to give them medications and you've got to do procedures. And how can you possibly change that? Well, guess what? We've changed thousands of processes at Memorial Hermann, and all the HRO hospitals have. How we uh, account for and dispense medications, how we double check blood, blood transfusions, and high-risk medications, how we prepare patients for surgery, how we double check that uh, it's the right patient, the right time, the right site, the right everything, how we ensure literally guarantee that there can be no retained sponges in a patient's body by changing procedures. We have the same surgeons, we have the same nurses, we have the same technicians, we have the same pharmacists, we have the same executives. We didn't change those. We changed the processes of care and they're imminently changeable. That's the real learning and sort of teaching folks how to do that that's become my life's work. Because you have to teach folks how to do that because change is tough across the board, right? And anything, people have to buy in to that, right? And so it's just that knowledge and maybe that just that repetition of here's the new way we are doing this. Well, it, the change management piece is the hardest part of healthcare. Mm -hmm. Whether it's quality and safety or it's patient satisfaction or it's some other aspect of healthcare, uh, change is difficult. So, you know, I felt my role for the last 20 years is really in terms of. Uh, executive management has been change management. That's my real job. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, R really but well. It's fun. That's great. And, and you know, you it, it's been very rewarding for us to have you here on our podcast to explain everything that you have over the last few minutes. And uh, we just want to thank Dr. Shabbat for his time today, and we are thankful. Uh, and support your resolve to minimize and even eliminate that zero, strive for that zero harm, right? That's exactly right. That's, that's the goal. Uh, thank you so much, Doctor. Let me shake your hand. Great. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. And folks, once again, we want to, we want to urge you to subscribe to the Healthcare Executive Podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. I'm your host, Chris Caraggio. We'll see you next time. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ACHE.org.